uh, as we are going to study the Word of God. And my subject today is gaining clarity of our spiritual journey. Now, it could be that you're saying, I already know all of this, uh, but uh, I believe that at the end of this uh, uh, study, you are going to see things that you have not seen before. And that is my, my desire, that we are able to go deeper into the Word of God and get, gaining greater clarity of the journey that God has put before us. Let me uh, start reading uh, a few scriptures. First of all, I read from John chapter, first John rather, 1 verse 7. And the Bible says here, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise the Lord. Then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. You can see, I mean, 1 John, 1 Peter, you know, these are the letters, letters towards the end of the New Testament. And verse 9 says, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of of our souls, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. <clears throat> and uh, I want to continue reading in the same chapter, verse 17. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom we pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So we must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. For you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. And uh, first, I mean, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted us, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that uh, we can be able to come and live from your word, receive nourishment from your word, gaining strength through uh, the power that is in the word. Lord, we have read that the word is eternal. Yes, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And we realize, Lord, that you, Jesus, are the word of God having become flesh and supplying all our needs and our requirements. So Lord Jesus, I pray that as we are deep, uh, digging deeper into the word of God, give us a greater understanding, give us greater clarity of this wonderful word. To you be the honor and the glory, amen. Now, what we must understand that our journey, you know, the journey that we can call our spiritual journey, not this journey here on earth, but the spiritual journey, does not start with us being born. Actually, it doesn't even start with us being born again. Our journey in God starts way longer before that. And the Bible tells us that before God created the world, he chose us and he loved us. And that's when really, you know, God put a starting point for each and every one of us. 
God's design for us, you know, is amazing. He's the originator of all things, and He is our purpose for living. If God didn't have a purpose for you, He would, you would not be here. Okay? So tell your neighbor, there's a reason why you're here. So this is very important because many people, they feel, you know, uh, inferior or superior, you know, they, they want to set themselves off from, from the rest. But we must understand that God is the one who has given us life. And even before he gave us that life, he designed us in a wonderful, powerful way. You know, great love was involved when God made you. Okay, now you may say, okay, I was born from my mother's womb. Yes, but before you were made in your, uh, were, were, were knit together in your mother's womb, as Psalm 39 says, there was a blueprint. You know, when you're building a house, it would be a good idea to have a plan. Now, there are some people who build houses without a plan, and uh, of course, the result you can see later on because it doesn't really make good sense, you know. Uh, but if you have a good plan, you can incorporate all of the different things that you would love to see in that uh, building that you are bringing up to be your house. And that's exactly what God has done, you know. He has planned everything beautiful well. And he had you in front of him, me in front of him, you know. It, we were not just... Uh, you know, the result of an accident, but God designed us in every detail of our being. Of course, he designed us that we would have the image and the likeness of God, which unfortunately went missing when our first parents sinned. But God's plan is a perfect plan. And his plan that we was that we would be with him as the family of God, as his own children. You know, it's very interesting that God never says when you believe you can become an officer in the kingdom of God or you can become, uh, you know, maybe an executive in the kingdom of God or a servant in the kingdom of God. Yes, of course, we can be a servant as well. We can be able to have certain uh, position that God is giving to us. But first and foremost... You know, when somebody believes, we become children of the Most High God. And that no one can take from us. We all know that uh, in life you can, you know, get into different places. You can, you know, even follow different career paths. You can have this position or the other position. Uh, and you can change that. But you will never change who you are to your parents. If you're a daughter, if you're a son, they will always be your parents, no matter what. Okay, and this is what God wants us to understand, that he is our father, that everything that we have comes from his, you know, uh, very throne, you know, from his very genes, if I may use that word, because of course he says we are made in his image, and in his likeness. And uh, that is the plan that gave God great joy. Like uh, the book of Ephesians tell us, tells us, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. Okay, so you're created to be with God, to be in his presence. And of course, we could not be brought to God except in Jesus Christ, our Lord, because he's the one who has uh, laid down his life and shed his blood on our behalf. And the Bible says this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure, okay? The greatest pleasure is not to, uh, you know, find uh, a, a better club or nightclub somewhere and, and uh, you know, waste your time uh, with, with uh, music which blows out your brain, uh, but, but the greatest pleasure is really to see the very plan of God for our lives. 
God has a pleasure when he sees you, okay? Especially when you're walking with him and when you are making the kind of progress that he wants you to make in this world. So God has seen you and me, in fact, all of us, in our completed glorious state in Christ. Now, I must add that because, you see, we could never become glorious. We could never become completed unless in Christ. The reason is that we have fallen, okay, away from the very purpose of God. And then when that happened, then we could not be able to walk back into the presence of God, okay? We must understand that we became people who lived our own kind of existence in the pride that we thought we can, you know, decide our destiny. Well, you know, if you want to decide your own destiny, there is only one uh, destiny that will be able to receive you, and that is the lake of fire. Because either we live by the destiny of God, or in the destiny of God, or we will not be with God, and that means we are cut off from God. When Adam and Eve decided it was time to not obey God anymore, they were cut off from the lifeline of God and they became toxic. It's very interesting that the Bible tells us that when we are uh, toxic, you know, then we, we can't come close to God. God will not be near us. It's very interesting. Okay, so if God doesn't want to be close to toxic people, I think it's good also to learn from him and stay away from people who are toxic, who are poisoning you rather than building you. Okay, so let us understand that each and every one of us God has brought into this world so that we build each other up. So our journey begins as God had finished to design us long before we came into this world. And then, of course, uh, sometimes we are saying, I found Jesus, and praise the Lord, if you think so, that is fine. But actually, uh, we are not finding Jesus. He found us. Could you have found Jesus if he didn't come from the Father, if it was not the gift that God has given to us? You couldn't. We could not find God. The Father is no longer accessible, accessible to any human being unless in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Okay? So we must understand that. So now, our salvation is in Christ. Okay, he laid down his life. He saved us, not with silver or gold, which loses its value as much as it may be worse right now, but it is not worth much, you know, when we leave this world because you can't take it. So, God sent Jesus Christ to bring us closer to his heart. But then there is something very important that we must recognize. And this is what really we call our salvation, okay? When we become alive to God, okay? Uh, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he called the, the teacher of Israel, okay? He must have been a very, very uh, important man in the uh, Jewish uh, setup of, of, of faith. And so he had a lot of vast knowledge and understanding. And then Jesus told him, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Okay? And of course, Nicodemus was scratching his head and says, okay, how do I get born again? Do I have to go back into the womb of my, my mother? 
Okay, and uh, of course Jesus explained, even if you go back, you know, you would still be coming out flesh and blood. But he told him, you must be born of the Spirit. Okay, born of God. And this is what, you know, we usually mark as the beginning of our life with God, as our salvation. And yes, it's true, it is the beginning of our salvation as far as we can tell. But then, you know, hold this for a moment because we want to come back to the word salvation. You know, what is salvation all about? Of course, when we are not born of God, then we cannot, we cannot communicate with him. Okay, a baby in the mother's womb may be kicking and uh, moving, but it can't talk. It cannot communicate uh, in any way. And so when we, as people who live in this world without God, uh, trying to make the best of our life, we cannot really understand what uh, the plan of God is for our lives. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we are preaching the gospel and the gospel is being heard now around the world, you know, in most of the places the gospel has not only been preached one, but preached so many times, so many years. And one would expect that now people know the word of God. But the reality is people hear the word of God and many just cannot make any sense out of it. Some of them, they sneer at the word of God. Some of them, they reject it outrightly because they feel they, they don't need it. Uh, and yet, you know, for those who live in the word of God, we know how important the word of God is because this is how we are communica communicating with God. That's how God speaks to us. And that's how we can also pray, you know, effectively. It's very interesting that uh, almost all people pray when they are under pressure, when they are in situations where they cannot help themselves anymore. It's very interesting, okay? Uh, people who are squeezed, maybe in a situation of war, like we have many of them now, uh, you know, then all of a sudden they begin to pray. Except, you know, prayer, and, and of course I, I must uh, disappoint you that prayer is not the answer to everything, you know, because prayer comes from a human heart. And if the human heart is not cleansed, is not made righteous in Christ, then that prayer will just bounce off the ceiling. Okay? So prayer is not the answer for everything, but it's a prayer that is able to stand on the revealed knowledge of the living God. If we don't know the word of God, we will pray in ignorance. And that's the problem that we see, even amongst many people who call themselves Christians. Yes, they pray, but they pray uh, in ignorance. They pray stuff which God has not promised anything in that regard. Uh, tell me the scripture that tells you that, uh, you know, if you pray, then you will get a, a BMW. It's not there. Tell me the scripture where God tells you that, you know, you will get a mansion uh, here on earth. It's not there. Okay, you know, there are things that God has promised to us, including to prosper us and to bless us over and above everything what we can imagine. But if you pray, you must pray upon, you know, the intelligence of the word of God, because that will give your prayer the power that it requires in order to be effective. Prayer just by hoping to get out of a miserable situation and then you continue uh, the way you lived before is not effective whatsoever. So our salvation is in Christ and in being born of the Spirit. Okay, it's very important that we understand that. So we are fallen creatures, we are uh, falling short of the glory of God, and this is why we need a savior, a savior 
not somebody who is in the same predicament than ourselves, but a savior who is able to help us. You know, a savior who is without sin, a savior who is not tainted by anything that uh, this world is very familiar with. And that is only Christ. The Bible tells us there is no other name that is given under heaven in whom we can be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. And he is the one who can perfect us because he is perfect, okay? He is righteous, he is holy. And uh, when we walk with him, he can be able to transform our lives. So Jesus fulfilled all the conditions as the Lamb of God and he carried away our sin through his sacrifice, the sacrifice of his own life, the sacrifice of suffering. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what God has done for each and every one of us. So forgiveness, of course, and uh, the cleansing and washing of the blood of Jesus of our life is a very important aspect of our salvation. But then we must also understand when we are born again, okay, when our spirit is restored, when we now can be able to hear God and speak to God, okay, speaking to God requires the hearing first, okay, because how do we speak to God, you know? People of all religions speak to somehow somebody up there, okay? People who even have no religion and no faith whatsoever, they still speak to somebody up there, not knowing who they are talking about. But for us, it's a different story, you know? We can be able to communicate with our Savior and even with our Heavenly Father through Christ our Lord. And that is an amazing advantage or a requirement actually for us to live a life of faith and uh, when I talk about the spiritual journey of course I cannot talk about every station but I want to just take some broad strokes and uh, put your mind to be to certain things that are absolutely required and necessary for us to um, progress in our worlds. So let's not forget when sin came into this world, you know, our spirits died. God tells us that he made us body, soul, and spirit. Okay? Every one of us has body, soul, and spirit. But not everyone has a spirit that is alive. Okay? Because without, without being made alive through the spirit of God, uh, we are not having a functioning spirit. Yeah, it's there, but it's like fruitless. It's empty. It's like uh, an attic which is full of cobwebs, not able to do anything. That's why Jesus made this very powerful statement, until or unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, once we are born again, and praise God, I hope all of you are. If not, then you should come to Jesus today so that you receive new life from him. Okay, because now when we are born of the spirit, then we can relate to God. Because God is spirit. You know, our flesh and blood has no means to communicate with God. And even our soul is cut off from uh, the living God because of, you know, uh, the, the, the contamination that has come into our, into our soul. And our soul is not meant to be the communication tool so that we can be in touch with God. It's the spirit, okay? So when God gives us his spirit, that's when we can be able to function in the Lord. Now, hearing the voice of God demands obedience, okay? It's very important that we understand that. The failure of uh, the first people was disobedience. 
Okay, so if we are to follow Christ, we must learn obedience. Whether we like it or not, uh, it's our choice. You know, if you don't want to be obedient, you can follow uh, the people who don't obey. But once we are born again and God speaks to us, we must learn to obey and get connected to the purpose that God had actually prepared for us even before the foundation of the world. Now, let me try to talk a little bit about the reality that we all face. You know, um, I got saved when I was 17 years of age. Okay, that's when my spirit was renewed, when God gave me a new birth. Uh, okay, before that, you know, occasionally I went to Sunday school, I went to church and do this and that, but I really didn't have a communication strategy or ability with the living God because I did not know God. I knew something about him, and there's a lot of things that people know about God, but knowing something about God is not sufficient. We need to be able to communicate with him ourselves. Now, when we are born again, I think we all agree that we are not yet perfect beings after that has happened. Am I right? You know, if you had certain habits before you were born again, you probably still have them afterwards, okay? If there are certain things that were not so good in your, in your behavior, probably the same behavior is still there even after that. And I think we see that, you know? As a pastor, I know that too well. But that does not mean that we should condemn such people because, you know, we are all in the same boat. What we must realize is that now we are beginning, you know, the long journey from where we have become alive to God, where we have been able to communicate with God, to be actually going into the end of our faith. And that is the salvation of our soul. And maybe now you get confused. And it says, but I thought I was saved when I gave my life to Jesus. True. That's when you became alive to God. But your soul is a different matter. Okay? And I want you to understand, you know, that God is working on the transformation of our soul. Okay, when we read that God wants us to be like Christ, it's not the Spirit, because the Spirit is already like Christ. He, the Spirit came from the Lord. So understand that God wants us one day to be in His presence, and He doesn't want to see us uh, reflecting His nature only in the Spirit, because the Spirit came from Him. Are you with me? Very important. But He wants us to be the very personality, you know, having the unique ID that God has given to us. And you know, uh, our soul is who we are. That's our identity. That's our, 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 you know, personality. And that is what God wants to see being transformed. Okay? So when we get transformed on the long journey of our life, it's not the spirit that needs to get transformed because the spirit is given to us by God. And it is, uh, it is a spirit that cannot die, that cannot deteriorate. You know, the only thing is that you can kick him out. Okay, that's your choice. But the spirit comes from God and brings us the nature of God inside of our hearts and lives. But then we must understand that we have not yet arrived at our destiny. We are only beginning the journey. And I think this is where a lot of people get confused. They say, ah, but I'm saved. And then they live like small devils, okay? They live like uh, they, they, they really don't know God. Even so, they are claiming they are born again. 
And that's what we see all around our world. You know, we see this all over in our nation. We see this everywhere. People have given their lives to the Lord, as they say. They have been born again, fine. But then they have not been transformed. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, and this is a, this is a scripture that is addressed to the church in Rome, okay? These were not unbelievers, these were believers. And he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's extremely important. You know, the Bible uh, tells us the way a man thinks, that's how he is. So we are, okay? The way we think, so we are, okay? And the, the old lifestyle that we have had has a certain pattern of thinking, pattern of thinking okay? A certain pattern of, uh, of living. And uh, uh, Paul says, this thing must be done with, you know? We are no longer supposed to copy or, or, or live by the standards of the world, but we must be transformed, okay? We must uh, be a new person. And that new person comes, you know, step by step by the way we think. You know, if you have been backbiting everybody else, then you must learn to appreciate the people you have been backbiting before. You must actually know that they are the same kind of people on the same journey like I am, okay? And the Bible tells us, you know, in this scripture we have been seeing uh, right at the beginning, First John chapter 1 verse 7, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You know, many, many uh, people who claim to be Christians, they are always finding fault with others. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you this is a very dangerous situation because that means you live in pride. You think you are better than them. And the Bible tells us that we should humble ourselves. Just like Jesus humbled himself, he became obedient even to the cross. And because he humbled himself and he became obedient to his father and even, you know, went, allowed himself to be nailed on that cross, which he could have easily avoided. But because of that, you know, God lifted him up. And it's very important that if we are not living in the light of God, if God is not allowed to change the way we think, then we cannot really have good quality fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And that's the problem of many of us human beings in the house of God today. Okay, we think we are better than others. And that's pride. And remember I said earlier on, pride is toxic. And God keeps away from the proud. That's why God had to tell Adam and Eve to get out of the Garden of Eden because they were too close. Actually, they could have been killed by the glory of God if they were not, uh, you know, going out. But then the desire of God is not that we should be far away from him, but that we should be close to him. And, and Romans tells us, you know, as God transforms our life into a new person, by the way, you know, by changing the way we think, then we will be able to tell what God's will is for us, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Wow. Let me repeat this. I think you have not heard it. Otherwise, I should have heard some, some hallelujahs. Okay? The Bible tells us, you know, that the will of God for our lives, listen, okay? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's God's will for your life. And actually, not only for your life, but even for the person that you have been backbiting before. Okay? The person you look down upon and say, ah, who are you? Amen? Amen? Because then when our 
our personality changes, then we can really have fellowship. And this is what John tells us. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Then we can relate to each other as brothers and sisters, just like we can relate to our Father in heaven. Hey, this is powerful. Amen? So, you are saved. And your spirit has received a new wonderful life from the spirit of God. So you are alive to God. But your thinking must change. Your personality must change. Your anger must change. Your behavior must change. Your old habits must change. There could be so many things said, and maybe you can fill the blanks about your own life because you know yourself better, you know. Maybe you don't show to everybody else, but uh, deep down in your heart, or when you stand in front of your, of your mirror in the morning, maybe you know exactly where the shortcomings are in your life. These things must change. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 tells us their responsibility, who is there? Their responsibility, that is the, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, okay? It's not done when you have said, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. No, this will continue until, until when? Until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, that we will be mature in the Lord. No more bad habits. Uh, no more uh, toxic behavior. But that we are mature in the way we, we think, okay, and we behave. Okay, so this will continue until we all come to such unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Measuring up to the complete and full standard of Christ. And when you measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ, you will not look down at others. Because when Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for all of us, actually he humbled himself before everybody else. He became obedient even to the very cross that killed him. He became obedient to his father even when his own will was something else. You remember Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he went to, uh, to uh, that last uh, chapter in his life where finally he was crucified. And he says, Father, if it's possible that this cup, and this cup was a representation of the sin of the world, if it is possible that this cup pass me by, I would rather that this should happen. But then he prayed, but Father, not my will, but your will be done. So don't forget, we all have a will. Even Jesus had a will. And his will was that he should not die and be separated from the very presence of his Father. You know, because Father and Son were never separated from eternity in the past. Never, ever. But now it became necessary for Jesus to be separated from his father because of our sin. Because he was to drink that cup. That means he had to identify himself as a sinner because he drank that cup. So in other words, he stepped into our place so that we can step into his place to be righteous and holy while he became sin for us. But praise God, you know, the Bible tells us that we are seed. We talked about it last week, okay? This is an imperishable seed. And Jesus was falling into the ground and died. 
Okay? And he said so. You know, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it will just remain a single seed. But if it dies, it will be able to bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold. And Jesus was that seed. Now, once a seed has fallen to the ground and it has died and is able to germinate a new plant, that seed will never come back, okay? Because that seed has given itself and has ceased to exist in itself, but now exists in the new plant, okay? And Jesus gives us a very, very good insight. You know, he has died and he lives now in us who came through the work that he did at the Calvary. And then what we must recognize, what we must know, is that the very seed that normally dies rose again. Okay? Jesus did not remain in the grave. In the grave. He produced us, but he also came back from the grave. Praise the Lord. Because he is the imperishable seed. And that is what we must realize. So as long as we are God's children, you know, and when we come into his kingdom, God keeps his hand upon each and every one of us. You know, when you are a baby, you don't have to worry about what you eat. Am I right? Those of you who have babies or little children, if you are a mother, if you are a father, you take good care of them. And that's exactly what God does. You know, when, when he gives us that new spirit in us, you know, we are just like babies. And the scriptures tell us much about that. You know, that we are just born, uh, newborn babies. We drink milk. And God takes care of us, you know, until we come to such a place where now we have to take up responsibilities. And this, this point in the Jewish uh, uh, statues, you know, that God gave to the people of Israel, uh, a human being became responsible to God at the age of 12. Okay, not at, at the age of 21 or 18 or whatever the case may be, but at the age of 12. Because then somebody can reason what is right and what is wrong. Somebody can be able to tell, this is the thing I should do or I should not do. That's when we can differentiate. You know, when our parents tell us a certain, uh, um, a certain you know, expectation that we can be able to live according to that expectation or we can re re reject that expectation and live otherwise. So God is very, very interested. Okay, when I say interested, uh, God never forces anybody, okay? God does, has not forced himself into your life. The Bible tells us that when uh, Jesus came to the church of Laodicea, somehow they kicked him out. He was not inside the church, he was outside. And he was knocking at the door. And he says, if anyone hears my knocking, okay, and opens the door, I will come in and I will sit down with him and have fellowship with him. So God is not forcing himself upon any one of us. We have to invite him. We have to allow him to come. And, you know, we must be willing to allow him to transform our lives. Okay, it will not happen against our will. Okay, as long as we are children, he takes good care of us. And you know, I remember when I was uh, a young Christian, uh, I, I still remember very well, at one time it gave me such a trouble, I, I, I took hours and hours and I, I, I went to uh, the, the church hall uh, where the church was gathering, I asked, asked for the key and says, I, I, I prayed and I, I, I couldn't understand, you know, because when I was just a baby in Christ, I pray and God fulfills it, okay? It happened. And I thought it should continue ever for the rest of, the of my life, and it didn't. 
Okay, because now when I grew up, God expected me to, to become an adult, make decisions, do the right things. <clears throat> and so I was very perplexed. I couldn't understand why God would not come through for me immediately like he used to do when I was still a baby. Of course, at that time, I didn't understand that uh, God now had uh, a different form of uh, you know, responsibility laid upon my life. But thank God, God impressed it on me. God spoke to me and I understood that now I have to live a life of obedience while God is still there, while God is still protecting me. He's never far from any one of us, but he also expects me to live so that I become responsible to him. So we must learn to be obedient. Remember I said Adam and Eve failed on that, on that score. They became disobedient and that cut themselves off from the oxygen of God and they were removed from the very presence of their heavenly father. When we are transformed by the power of God, you know, by the spirit of God, by, by God uh, applying his word upon us, transformation will need to be seen. Okay? So your, your habits should not be the same anymore. If your habits are not changing, how can you say I'm transforming? No, our, our lives need to change. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we have to change ourselves uh, with our own strengths. No, it's God who changes us. And he doesn't change us all uh, in one go, you know, in, 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 a, in a sitting of one hour or two hours or even a day, and then you come out and you are changed completely. No, God reveals certain things to you, and he expects us to become obedient to what he has revealed to us. When you have... Uh, been able to live by that standard, then God will reveal something fresh to you which you have not seen before. And then he wants to make us learn to obey even in that regard as he is revealing himself to us. And that continues, you know, until finally we are going to be uh, with the Lord. Now the Bible says the end of our faith is change, is transformation, is the salvation of our soul. And I want to read for you uh, some, some passages of scripture because this is very, very important that we understand that. Let me read from 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. <clears throat> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Okay? I've talked about this. By his mercy we were born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Okay? What do we do? We live by great expectation. Expectation of what? Okay, let me read on. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Okay? Are we able to follow? Okay? Peter says, we have been born again. Praise the Lord. And now we live in expectation. Many of us have thought, when you are born again, I've got everything already. Not according to these words. Not according to what God says to us. But we have a great expectation that is waiting for us. But in the meantime, things must happen. You know, there is an inheritance waiting for us, an inheritance kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, 
God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on our last day for all to see. So that salvation we have not yet been able to receive. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to confuse you. You understand? Okay, this is the journey. Okay, before, be between the day of our salvation when, we, when we, made, we are made alive by the Spirit of God and we are born again and the final salvation of our soul, there's a long distance in between where things must happen, where we must be transformed, where we must be changed into the image and likeness of Christ. Okay, now I know this is something that most of us are puzzled about because we thought we have it all already. So, the salvation of our souls. And please, this is very, very important. God wants us not only reflecting his nature of the spirit that came from him anyway, but he wants us to reflect our soul, to be godly, to be righteous, to be holy, to be pure and undefiled. And for that to happen, we have been left in this world because God still has a work to do in each and every one of us. Okay? That is the salvation of our souls. Very interesting. Let me read on. Okay, so you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. My last day has not yet come. Your last day has not yet come. Otherwise, we will not be here. So that salvation of our soul has not yet been revealed. Okay? Verse 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even so, you must endure many trials for a little while. Okay? We are encouraged to be glad. And Paul says rejoice. And I say it again, rejoice. Even if we have to be going through a number of trials, endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Hello? God wants to see our faith not just become, you know, something that we repeat after others, but that our faith comes from within our soul, from within our transformed being, and shows that we are genuine believers of God. Okay? That your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Wow, isn't that good? Okay, so what you are complaining about right now is something that you can be able to rejoice and the whole world is going to see it, what God has done in your life. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed for the whole world. And praise God, the whole world will see. You love him, even so you have never seen him. How many of you have seen Jesus? Okay, there are always some specialists who are saying, Jesus appeared to me, I've seen him coming to my bedroom, and uh, all these stories. No, uh, forget about that. The people who saw Jesus were the disciples and the people who were living at the time when Jesus was living in their flesh. Since that time, nobody has seen Jesus. Okay? Maybe you had a dream, maybe you had a vision, maybe you had a word which was really impacting you. Fine, that can happen. But you have not seen Jesus. If you had seen him, you would have fallen dead because he's so glorious, he's so powerful. Okay, you love him even so you have never seen him. So you do not see him now, you trust him 
and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Praise the Lord. Can we have that trust? Can we rejoice with a glorious and uh, inexpressible joy? The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your soul. The salvation of your soul. Or as I read from the uh, New King James earlier on, you know, uh, on your bulletin on the front side, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. That's verse 9. Now verse 10, listen to this. It's very interesting. This salvation, not the salvation that we received when our spirit was made alive, but this salvation of our soul was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time of situ or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. <clears throat> when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his glory, his great glory afterwards. They were told that their message were not for themselves, but for you. Okay, so God sent prophets, prophets to give us the message on our behalf. You know, the message is addressed to us. And these prophets, they were carrying the message and they were scratching their head and said, what is it that God says here? They couldn't understand. They heard about that salvation, but they didn't really uh, catch it at their time because they were living before the time where this became clear and known. They were told that their messages were not for themselves. And let me tell you, there is a message that God has given to you that is not for yourself. That is for others to hear. And it's very important that we do not forget that. So, brothers and sisters, God has a plan for our lives. And it's important that uh, we learn to stand in the presence of God, not only one day in the sweet by and by, but even now and here as we listen to the word of God, as God engineers our transformation, our soul. And you know, our soul uh, <clears throat> is quite a stubborn thing. You know, the Bible tells us that the heart is very stubborn. Very often our heart wants to go the opposite way that we have inherited from our, from our forefathers. <clears throat> but we must learn <clears throat> to become subject to the word of the Lord. So God prepared a priceless inheritance for each and every one of us that can never decay. And only as we are being transformed by the power of God can we be able to get that inheritance. As I said, this process can be very painful as it touches our own old nature, our own self. And our own old self is very unwilling to die. But God has a way and means to convince us of his love, of his kindness, of his goodness. And remember all this that God is doing daily, every single day in our lives, he does it because he loves us so much. His love is everlasting. Psalm 62 verse five says, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation, my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. You know, we have to learn to live by faith and not by sight. Okay, there was a time when King Jehoshaphat was uh, attacked from all sides and you know, armies came, three armies came and tried to, to break through into, the, uh, into their land. And King Joseph had, had no clue what to do. He knew he didn't have the power to stop them. And so he called everybody together to pray and listen to the word of God. And of course, God spoke. 
God told him, the battle that you have to fight, I'll fight for you. You don't have to worry about. And so it's very interesting that Jehoshaphat, after hearing the promises that came through the prophet of God, you know, he was able to organize the people, not only for prayer and fasting, but he organized the people now to go and meet the enemy. And the Bible tells us, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Praise the Lord. They praised him for the splendor of his holiness. Don't, for, don't forget, there were vicious enemies waiting to kill them. But they were praising the Lord. And I think this is what we must learn. This is not in our uh, old nature. We need to learn that from the Lord himself. Okay? So they praised him in the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Praise the Lord. His love endures forever. Love never fails. So Jehoshaphat was not putting the strongest guys in front, those with spears and weapons, but he put the choir in front. And they were singing. So choir, you know, you've got a very important function, okay? They were singing and praising the Lord according to the splendor of the holiness of God. Amazing. And as they began, listen, this is very important. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. They were defeated. Listen, you know, many of the times we are being, uh, you know, down and out. We are being defeated because we are trying to do things with our own strengths. We need to learn that on the spiritual journey, there are different rules that prevail. We need to learn to give God thanks, to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And even if there are dangers around you, you know, God is greater than the dangers. Even if your old nature is uh, troubling you, God is greater than your old nature. So let us give him praise and honor and thanks. So the salvation of our soul is the end result of our life of faith. So we live by faith and not by sight. And when you live by faith, you can praise the Lord even so. You don't see the victory yet. God wants us to receive our pure, undefiled, priceless inheritance that is waiting for us. For now, it is kept very securely and safely in heaven, but then it will be revealed with great, great glory. In the meantime, we are on our journey of faith, okay? And our personality must continue to change. Our old nature must be beginning to be transformed so that we are going to reflect the full and complete standard of Christ, not only when we are finally with him, but already here on earth. I hope these words have given us more clarity of our spiritual journey that we are still all walking in. Let us walk in the light because in the light, things will be sorted out. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that we can learn your wonderful plan for our lives. Lord Jesus, you have made a plan that is greater than we can ever imagine, that we can ever think. Like your word says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind can imagine, that is what you have prepared for those who love you. And this is our inheritance, a powerful, wonderful inheritance waiting for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that in the meantime, you're already busy transforming us deep inside of our personality, deep inside of our heart that is often so stubborn 
and trying to find its own way. So Lord Jesus, we want to yield to you and we want to pray. Lord, do your good work in each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, help us that we invite you to do this work of transformation in our life. Help us not like to be like the Laodiceans who kicked you out of their lives. But Lord, help us that really we give you the chance and opportunity to prove our faith genuine, to transform us step by step until we reflect your nature in its fullness. To you be the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.